into it. And I want to start with a hard hitting question if you're ready for it. The healing that you had to go through from your divorce and that it wasn't this highlight reel of social media, everything's hunky dory. I don't really spend too much time in the past or the future, but I can definitely become distracted. Those are my two modes, either presence or distracted. Oh, we're back at it. What's up? <laughs> What's going on, Justin? Not too much. It's good to see you. Uh, a lot of things have happened. You had a baby and then moved into a new house. <laughs> you did. Yeah. yeah. So those, are, big, those are big life events. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is, is um, quite a bit bigger. How is that going? Uh, that's, a, that, that's a podcast in its own, but yeah, it's, it's going really well. Grateful to say we have a lot of fam familial help. It's really cool to have a partner who you can lean on and... Mm -hmm. Before hitting record, you and I were talking about like these epiphanies that one has as a parent. And one of the biggest ones I would say to our listeners too, who are maybe thinking about kids is definitely being ready for it. I don't know how, like we'll get into it. Your mom had you at a really early age. Dayla's mom had her at a really early age. I don't know how people do it by accident. I think people yeah. really have to be prepared for a child and then also having a willing participant. And you get this from whether it's team sports or being in a healthy relationship or even yeah. having a lifting partner that you trust to lift the however many weights uh, off your chest from time to time, yeah. you need somebody that you can really lean on because I would be lying if I said that I've been 100% the whole time. And it's really nice to say to your partner, like, hey, like I need some help right now. And that partner yeah. is able to step up. I mean, yeah, even just having a podcast friend. I mean, it's everything. <laughs> so I, I, I get it. And, you know, and I was married for eight years and, and Steph was such a vital part of my success, my ability to be, you know, my best version. Um, I, she was there for my highs and my lows. And so I, I, I can't imagine like how we were speaking right before the podcast, like single parents, single moms. Uh, at such a young age and in many ways, not the greatest environments, didn't have a lot of safe men. Um, my mom had no safe men. She didn't have a safe family growing up. I just wrote her the other day. I'm doing this thing where I really take time to single out an individual that I just truly love and appreciate and kind of write them a, a nice paragraph of how I feel about them. And I chose my mom the other day and I told her, I was like, Hey, like it's wild. Like I can't, I can't even comprehend how you did it. Like by the age of 23 years old, you had um, my older sister, myself, and my younger brother, all two years apart, and no men, no safe men, no safe family in her life. I'm like, you're my fucking hero, and I'm like, I, like the strength that you must have had, and the fact that you stayed um, loving, your heart stayed open, and and you were able to do this uh, is, is is still very much baffling to me. And anytime I find myself feeling a little bit low or defeated. Uh, or feel like getting small. Um, I always think of my mom. So yeah, what I was, mean, it's amazing. What was her response to that message that you sent? You know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. I'll read it. It was really beautiful. Let's see. While Justin's pulling it up for our listeners, this is a small thing that you can do every now and then in your life that's going to spread a ton of positivity, and I promise it will come back to you. If mm -hmm. only for the fact that no one fucking does this in life. Like how many times? Do we actually have somebody say like, yo, I really appreciate you. Like, thank you so much. Like, I see yeah. what you're doing. It never happens. And so if yeah. we send that, whether it's to a family member or a close friend, like I know Justin and I, we do it for each other from time yeah. to time. Mm -hmm. And that positivity knows no end, right? Because then Justin's mom reads this message, goes around, has an amazing day, treats people in maybe a better way than she would otherwise. So yeah. highly recommend for our listeners. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just shot her out and I just... um I'll just also read what I wrote her. I think it's cool. Like, Good morning, mom. I just want to express my endless love and gratitude for you. I want you to know that whenever I feel overwhelmed, stressed, I always think of you. I actually speak about you all the time on podcasts and how strong you are and how powerful you are. Such strength. I often think about how you were so young with three babies, no strong good men in your life, no safe men, no safe place to seek help. I can't imagine that space and what it took to rise above, to stay in love, to care for us, protecting us. Only, 20 year, only 23 years old, 100 pounds soaking wet, barely five feet tall. You're the most powerful person I know. You are the person I look up to, my hero, my mom. I love you very much. 
And then I also said, I'm sorry if I, this brought up any type of feelings, if she wasn't looking to feel today. Um, and her response was, holy shit. <laughs> holy shit, Justin. This means everything that you acknowledged and see me. It's incredible healing. Thank you. Uh, with all of my heart, your words did bring up some deep pain, but I live with these feelings and that's why I am who I am. And I'm truly blessed from everything I had to endure. I love who I've become because of it. I appreciate everything like on a steroid level. I feel so blessed to have every one of you kids. I'm always learning through all of you. I'm so proud of who you have become. Thank you. I love you with my whole heart and thank you more. And thank you more than you know for seeing me. I see you. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I pull a lot of strength from my mom. So that's, it's dope. But yeah, like back to like, you know, kids and, and all of it, I can't imagine. And, and it's amazing what you guys are doing. I love that you guys have the help uh, from family and the fact that you guys got each other. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's also wild to, I think we understand it. We comprehend it. Like I could say to you this next thing of like, we all started as babies, but then you have a baby and you're holding in your hand. And you're like, yo, somebody did this for me. Like I was once a baby. Like my best friend was once a baby. My partner was once a baby. And some, and then we become these adults and we have our own personalities and whatnot. Uh, every day is kind of mind blowing. Like he does something new every day. It's fun to see. They always say seeing life through a child's eyes. And even now him only being about 10 weeks old, he's starting to engage more with his environment. Like he's smiling at us more and there's something new every day. And the things like he'll get stuck on the ceiling fan. It's just those things that we take for granted, right? Like yeah. you're in my life. Oh yeah, it's a ceiling fan, bro. Like what's the big deal? And he's just infatuated with it. And the so you take, a, you take yeah. a moment and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, actually humans haven't always had these things. And like, isn't that crazy how that turns, bro? <laughs> so it's nice to have yeah. those moments. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's really beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing. I've been loving sending you those videos too on like, uh, how to get the babies to stop crying essentially i've been having fun with that i have a lot of like baby stuff in my feed now because dude of that. i was gonna say i don't know if i've mentioned it to you in text but I, has your feed all just baby stuff on the explore page now yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah which i love i mean i mean i actually end up share, sharing a lot of it on my stories now like just dads and babies moms and babies babies laughing and i mean there's no better medicine i would say i would agree mm. well i really appreciate also for our listeners, Justin was really nice in allowing me to take a paternity leave, be there with my family before coming back to the podcast, but very excited to get back into it. And I want to start with a hard hitting question if you're ready for it. Yo, let's get it. It's something that I said to Justin a while back. And I think at that moment you were like, this would be a great topic and question. And it kind of aligns with what you and I were talking about yesterday as we were planning for this podcast. And I'm sure people know from the title, any title that we give it, that this is going to be more about interview with Justin, learning a little bit more about him. So through your divorce, basically you look like a superhuman. And mm -hmm. as somebody who has also gone through divorce, I looked at how you and Steph beautifully decoupled and then also still stay in touch and seem to support each other. And when I brought this up, you were like, Oh my God, like in so many words, you said that you maybe haven't talked about this enough or to the casual observer on Instagram, on social media, it seemed like it didn't phase you. And you were like, it was mm -hmm. one of the harder things that I had to go through in my life. And I think that'll lead into some of the other topics that we have set for today, but kind of want to start with that, the process, I guess, and we can kind of mm -hmm. go back and forth on the healing that you had to go through from your divorce and that it wasn't this highlight reel social media, everything's hunky-dory. Yeah, you know, um, it's a, it was it was such a learning process. Um, that process, you know, it was the first time. Obviously, I've I've been in a situation where I was getting divorced, and I I had no intentions of getting divorced. There was no want or need to get divorced, um, and, and for myself. And I saw me being in that relationship for for this lifetime. And so when it did come to an end, at first. Um, I don't think I had the awareness or even the time to really kind of process when it was going. I was being really supportive. Also, I was moving to Texas at that time. So there was just so much going on, uh, getting settled in, um, figuring out all that kind of stuff. But as I was starting to get settled here in Texas, parts of um, the stuff that I didn't process or even was aware of how to process kept coming up like at the grocery store or if I heard a song or randomly while driving my car and 
you know, these powerful emotions of, of what I thought at the time was like a mourning process would come up and I would feel them for a brief moment and then they would dissipate. And this was very new for me, these powerful emotions. Um, but I noticed that kept happening and I became really curious as to why it kept happening and, and what did I need to do to kind of maybe fully release what was happening. And so I actually did about four grams of mushrooms in my house and kind of decided to do um, some exploring. I became really curious about it and I, I wanted to see what this was about. And it wound up being a complete mourning process, like mourning the loss and separation of my wife. And, you know, I've never experienced someone very, very close to me dying, but uh, and man, in, in many ways, it felt like a death. It really felt like a death. You know, it's, it's very interesting. Like, you know, having these intentions of being with someone, um, in your mind, um, for the, for your life. And then also waking up next to that person, having dinner next to that person, spending time with that person in every way possible, molding into each other. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, nothing. There's, there's th that person's no longer sleeping next to you. You're not seeing them. You're not breaking bread with them. You're not, you know, spending time with them like you were. And that was powerfully, uh, that was wild. That was absolutely wild. So I um, literally, as I was eating the mushrooms, they didn't even <laughs> hit, but my body already started like going through a deep, deep cry. It was really powerful. Got in the shower, did some deep crying, came out and I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's feel these emotions. That's one thing I have always done well is, is process my emotions in a really healthy way. Um, so I have, I have no problem uh, sitting with my emotions, feeling them fully, holding space for them. Um, allowing them in such a way. And, you know, I was able to do that with this space. And, you know, it started off with me literally sitting in the middle of the living room floor, crying, sobbing, not just absolutely everywhere. And I had an out of body experience, which was pretty rad. So my soul came out and I was watching my, my sentient being, my person go through this deep, deep mourning process. And even at one point, I'm like a voice and I was witnessing like, the voice come out and it was a repetitive voice. It was like, like, I don't want to let her go. I don't want to let her go. I don't want to let her go. And he was like frustrated. He was angry. He was going through all these types of things. And I just, as the soul, I was above this watching this, just holding space for it, giving him love. Um, very, very powerful. And after he went through all of these powerful expressions that he has not had a chance to do yet since the separation, since the move, all these types of things, man, he was able to actually release, fully release. And then I, I asked him a question because at first he became, he came angry at one point, like, fuck this, fuck this shit. What are we fucking doing? And after he expressed all that, I just asked him, I'm like, well, would you change anything right now? Would you, would you go back? You know? And he was like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm reluctantly no. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, is there anything that we can do to, to, to mourn this process anymore? What more space? So I had beautiful dialogue with my person in this space. And we went through some wonderful conversations between my person and my soul. And, uh, it was beautiful. And once I released all those emotions, sat with those emotions, it, it was truly, it was truly gone. Those stored stuck emotions were gone and I was able to mourn things properly. And, that allowed me to then fall back into my work, uh, find another beautiful relationship shortly afterwards. Um, so yeah, I, it, it is absolutely wild. And I, I've mentioned this story here and there in a few different spaces, but yeah, I guess a lot of people when they kind of, they don't possibly hear about like someone going through a mourning process and they probably feel like, oh, like, yeah, he just kind of marched through that. Uh, I would still say like, I, I guess there's a part of me that just assumes that people you know, go through a mourning process and they just, yeah, they go through what I went through, but they just don't, you know, don't. broadcast it. Yeah. They don't do that. Yeah. That's yeah something I don't that think I, they, I don't think they do it period. Like, no, you probably saw me <laughs> taking some notes and there's some good things I want to touch on, but a question that I, I think gets to what I would hope our listeners would do, because I, I would maintain Justin that people don't mourn the harder things in their life. And that does give me an opportunity to mention something. So the top three most stressful things that can happen to you in life, because yes, of course they've studied this. Number one, death in the family. Number two, moving. Hello, moving. Super stressful. You just did that. And then number three is divorce. Mm. And so those are the top three. We go through these things. However, as my dad would joke as a good Midwesterner, he's like, what do you, what do they teach Midwesterners to do with your emotions? You stuff it down. You don't talk about it. Right. And mm. so I was curious you got to that point where you opened up and you're like, I need to deal with this. It was also 
you were moving to Texas. It was kind of like during the pandemic. And so there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. Do you feel like you at that time covered up a little bit of your trauma with the move and with like, all right, cool. I can't think about this. Like I have to serve my community because it's a confusing mm -hmm. time. I'm also moving. Do you think like you covered it up until that point where then you let it in? No, not intentionally. There was no, it was literally just lack of awareness on, on that. I had to mourn it. That's one thing is that there was a beautiful level of ignorance and innocence to my process. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. That's probably why, like, I was fine on social media. That's the thing. It's like none of that. Like I was just do to do to do, and then it came up, and then I dealt with it, and do to do. So all those moments that I still was on social media doing my thing, that was truly my authentic myself. I I just became really curious about these moments that did come through, these powerful emotions that did come through. What were they? I became really curious about it, and even the process of mourning, it was all through just curiosity and kind of leaning into my emotions and 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 feeling those things out. Um, so yeah, I just didn't have the awareness of it. It was, it was, it was kind of neat to like, kind of just, and that's kind of like my MO, you know, that's, that's just how I kind of operate, um, in all aspects of life. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's something that, that, um, I wasn't technically trying to, or not at all. I wasn't masking it or trying not to feel it in any sense. It, I, I really just let it come up like as it should. And then it's like, I had this intuitive pull, like, oh, maybe I should really kind of sit whatever this is, because it just would come up. And then I became curious of it. It was more so curiosity of it um, during the times it would come up. So, yeah, um, my that, I think that's also why, like, um, it probably seemed like, and it it was because I was great. I still was okay in all these other avenues in my life, whether it was work or moving or what have you. Um, but I became curious of those of those moments when I when I did feel some pretty powerful emotions, and I was able to kind of figure that out. You followed those breadcrumbs, the yeah. the quieter moments where something kind of came up. And I, again, would maintain that not many of us do. And so I think that's a good takeaway for our listeners. Like when you have those moments, try not to cover them up. Mm. If you have time for a hero's dose of mushrooms in your house, safely so, go for it. But if you don't, you can also get there via journaling, via meditation. Like Justin, I know you're a big fan of stillness and sitting in the silence I mean, that's what did it was presence, you know, um, again, I think that's one of my unique, um, gifts is my myopic level of presence. And so because I am so incredibly present throughout my entire day, I'm able to really, um, see things from a different space. And, and, you know, I feel like, I think a lot of times if the reason why, like most people are suffering, like I wasn't suffering except during that time and i wouldn't even call it suffering i was experiencing like there wasn't a time i did i suffered there wasn't a time i actually suffered during my divorce during my separation there was not a single time where i suffered because i i wouldn't op i just don't operate in that way like if, i feel like we only really do suffer from the mind right that's what really just causes suffering and so because i'm myopically present um i really wasn't suffering but and so when those emotions would just get triggered by a song or or released within my body for whatever reason then i actually sat with it and dealt with it so um yeah it was just a kind of it's a very unique way um of how i operate but uh this is like this is also part of what i why i always teach presence 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 so we can actually operate in this space and become curious of when things come up and, and not kind of avoid it what have you but yeah I, I i don't think i suffered in any way um from mind during that process i wasn't like avoiding anything in any way whatsoever I, it was a really beautiful process and um i was just again very lucky enough to to operate in such an organic way to feel it go through it explore it and uh release it i would agree with you on suffering and that our thoughts create our suffering also not being in the moment creates that suffering because it's either the anxiety about the future or the shame guilt about the past and mm -hmm. when we're in the present we don't have any of that it takes some time to really practice and get good at that this is also something that we talk about in the nirvana community a bunch which is mm -hmm. shameless plug only 18 dollars a month i'm sure there's a link to join in the show notes we have these types of conversations around presence around suffering you know it reminds me of there was a book I, I was reading on uh, Kabbalah, which is Jewish, Jewish mysticism as it relates to quantum physics. And they were pulling a lot from the Torah, which is just the Old Testament. If you're of the Christian faith, the Torah is just basically the Old Testament. And it was talking about things in life, Justin. It was like, 
we all yearn for good health. We all yearn for an amazing, loving family. We all yearn for financial success. And the author was like, let's look at the biblical examples in these realms. And he brought up the basically all-stars of the Old Testament. So like Abraham, David, Solomon, whatever. And he was like, finances. Well, this guy didn't do so great. This guy did okay, but then it was gone. Da, 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 right. And so it's like all over the place. Same thing with family. Like this guy's son went off the reservation. This guy's da, 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 da. like, no, right. The one commonality amongst all of them was that they suffered, quote unquote. But the author went so went another length and said that the suffering is a choice because otherwise, like you, we can shift into what am I trying to learn from this? Like, what am I yes. trying to be taught? And then when we can stay present and understand that life is happening for us, not to us. We can hopefully transmute, alchemize the suffering into lessons, teachings, education. Yes, yes. Curiosity has always been, um, and we all have access to it. It's definitely been my superpower. I've become really curious of why I feel certain emotions that do come up. Um, I'm very lucky that my mind isn't um, causing the 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 trigger. It's more so maybe a, a direct experience, maybe that can cause an emotion, or maybe something that's possibly stored in the body but um, not necessarily from the mind, which is which is the opposite for a lot of people. Most of the time it's the mind that's causing. Do you try to learn trigger. from those triggers? So you, like you said, we have the mind, which it's an amygdala hijack. Basically this part in our brains can hijack us. It's an older fight or flight, not that evolved part of our brain. And so for those listening, you might have an emotion and all of a sudden five, 10 minutes later, you're like, yo, why am I yelling at my significant other? Like, why am I suffering? Mm -hmm versus do you justin in that moment when you have that emotion do you go into like okay like what what can i learn here yes i immediately map my mind so for me i'm i'm very much aware that i have a mind but i'm not the mind that i have thoughts but i'm not my thoughts um which is what i pretty much teach uh so when i or when my person becomes triggered uh i'm really good at observing my person becoming triggered and even asking him like "Ooh, you just became triggered what is that and then having him look and and then giving him the ability to look and then i also have like hey like look at the behavior you're about to engage in to cope or manage this trigger uh is it a good one and i ask him is that a good one do you really want to do this behavior and then he can look at it and sometimes he may not know and and sometimes he may not give a fuck and and then he does it and then i ask him after he does it like well how was the result of that behavior and so that's data for my brain that's data for my person so i'm really good about mapping my mind and i'm also very much aware that the mind is 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 built on reward-based learning so um i can i can really um help my person become very intelligent and aware of bigger better behaviors more loving behaviors when he does become triggered or overwhelmed or stressed um and, and lean into those and over time the brain obviously will choose these bigger better behaviors and you know they say as minimal as like 14 15 times of choosing a bigger better behavior the brain makes that the new autopilot so uh yeah you just get into that space um by by observing and and i think that's the hardest part is that i've been already in the seat of the observer for quite some time so when mourning my divorce i was already in the observer seat as opposed to getting lost in the sauce when something would come up and getting pulled into like my mind movies of worry or dread or possibly unworthy or anxious about the future you know I, it, it really allows me to go through life in a, in a funny wild way you know like i can make a move i can get divorced i can shift careers all at the same time and because of my level of presence um, during those moments, I don't get pulled into the what ifs and I don't get pulled into thoughts of unworthiness of I'm not enoughness, um, which will allow me to kind of like really just be right here and and handle everything with a lot more stoicism, um, peace. Yeah, it's a it's a very powerful place to be. And I definitely owe it to the fact that I practice presence on a daily basis, you know, like, yeah, I already I, I became aware of how lucky i am that my brain has stayed at this level of childlike presence uh, through my adult years and then i became very much aware how important it is to still practice it because um you know i don't really spend too much time in the past or the future but i can definitely become distracted and so those are my two modes either presence or distracted and so distraction can even cause a lot of problems as well. Um, it can definitely get you addicted to things. Um, yeah. And so like, and then you can feel restless from that. And then that can create a story, your brain trying to make sense of that. So um, yeah, I, I, presence is definitely the key in practicing it and, and honing in on that is, has been um, always something that served me in such a powerful way. 
we are also not the only people to talk about this. There's a guy, Mastin Kip. I don't know if you know who he is, Mastin Kip. No, no I don't. He's a life coach based out of Los Angeles and his origin story was he was working in Hollywood and he was like doing a ton of fucking yap in the bathrooms and then had a meltdown. And typically that's where a lot of times spiritual awakening can come from. And now he's turned his life around, coaches others. He's been doing it for a long time. He was on the Impact Theory podcast with Tom Bilyeu. And he said that of the top performers he works with, the people who are making the money that we all wish that we could make. He said that the only ones of them who are happy because he was like, money does not buy you happiness. And a lot of these people are very unhappy. The only ones who are happy while also still making boatloads of money maintain childlike wonder. And he said, Mm -hmm. it's not childish, it's childlike wonder. And that's exactly what you're getting at, Justin, is maintaining that curiosity about life, about ourselves. It's funny you'd mentioned when you're triggered, like what do you typically do, right? And I think if we're looking at our lives critically, we can find those. And I found with me, I go to sugary foods. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that started with my exploration of myself, seeing a therapist is when I was a kid, a lot of my rewards were, let's go get Sean something like a bonbon or a cake Mm -hmm. or a cookie or whatever. And being a dad, we would have harder moments with Porter and we like finally get him down. And I'm like, I want a fucking donut, bro. You know? And then <laughs> you have that conversation with yourself. You're like, oh, I, okay. I'm present. I understand where that's coming from. I'm stressed yep. or like, I want a reward for getting him down to sleep. And then the choice of, yes, do I want to get a dozen donuts? Do I want to just have one donut? Do I want to yep. scratch that dish? Do I want to not do it? And then yes, waking up the next morning. And if I had the dozen, like, how do you feel, dude? Or right. Oh, you had one. That was good. You know, that was a good rep or like, wow, slow clap. You didn't have anything. Yep. And so just that's yeah. powerful, man. That's I mean, and, and so that's the art of pausing. Right. And that's another thing that I really get into with the people I work with is like, how can we pause and become aware when we are triggered? How can we pause and become aware of the behaviors that we choose and how and, and, and can we pause and then even ask ourselves, was that behavior that we choose a good result? And so the power of the pause is, 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 is substantial and the way that we can pause and become aware is through present, present modalities. And that is gonna be your meditation, that's gonna be nature, that's gonna be your cold therapy, your sauna, your earthing, your sunbathing, bathing, bathing. Yeah, all these type of things, which is why I have these things on my board that I check off every day to keep myself hyper-present because everything is vying for our attention. It's not a really fair environment, I would say. Um, so it, I can, I totally understand why people have trouble being present, not only just from the mind, but everything vying for their attention um, and getting them highly addicted to stimulation and everything else. So um, practicing presence is something that's incredibly important to me and it allows me to still operate at this level um, well into my adult years and I can keep that childlike wonder, so to speak. And it's, it's honestly what got me into all of this work. You know, when, when I was 30 years old and I did my first mushroom journey, I, I started to become aware that most people were suffering. I, I had no idea, to be honest, there was a level of ignorance that I was just so present that I was like, okay, do, 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 do going through life, you know, not in my mind in any way. And then I became hyper aware that <laughs> almost the entire world was suffering. Uh, from their mind, from their thoughts of either the past or the future or, or addicted. And I became really curious as to why. And I became really curious as to why wasn't I. And, you know, because, yeah, yeah, I became really curious to that because you know, I grew up in an abusive household. I really, uh, you know, I grew up, my, my stepfather was verbally and very, very physically abusive in, in certain ways that most people were like, damn. Um, you know, and I had an older sibling that did not do well because of it, um, became a drug addict, I think often on the streets still to this day, um, don't know where she is right now, you know, and that's very real. Um, I have another sibling who has suffered with alcoholism, uh, for the last 10 plus years and still does, you know, um, my family is, they're small and shy. Um, it's hard for them to connect in many ways. Um, and, and haven't yet to fully heal from the type of experiences that they, they've really encountered. And um, I became really curious as to why I didn't take on that energy, that I didn't take on any of those, um, those experiences and create stories from them of unworthiness or, or what have you. And so, you know, I think that's, that's the unique thing about presence is that I was so, so, so myopically present as a kid uh, even during the times that I was getting abused, whether it was verbally or physically, um, 
I, I never, I never lost that level of presence, which I know is very strange, which I know is very abnormal. Um, but because of that, because of that level of presence, and I talk about what presence really is, presence is a portal, presence is a window for, for consciousness, for loving awareness to come through. And so because I was so incredibly present, even during the time that most children would be terrified, I was able to see the love and the empathy and compassion and forgiveness for my abuser. And that's what made the difference. Yeah. So I was curious, because is this like a nature nurture thing? Because statistically speaking, out of your siblings, like one third you was able to have a more well-adjusted. Also, I agree with you. If we can sort of back out of things and look at, you know, my parent who's abusing me, they didn't have X, Y, Z growing up. No one taught them this. They have their own issues. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to see that in the moment. And then also massive compassion for what your other siblings are going through. Like I've been very open with people I talk to personally. And I think I may have mentioned on the podcast, uh, Dela is one of four and one of her brothers uh, has gone to rehab. He is in recovery right now, but it's been a struggle. And their father wasn't really around. And I think you and I both agree that alcohol isn't easy for our society. And also like real quick story, I have a friend in LA who's an actor, washboard abs, the whole deal. And he was in a Miller Lite ad and he sent it to me and he was like, tell me that people look like me who drink all the time, you know, and he's like got a six pack and just like dancing on the beach. And that's what we're sold. And then people like your siblings go through this. People like my brother-in-law go through the life experiences. And it's really easy. Like, yeah, it's socially acceptable. Like crack open a beer. It's all good. So I have massive compassion for people who fall into that. But getting back around to my question, what do you think? I mean, where did you get that presence from? Was it something that you picked up? You think it was just divine? So I think we are all born with it, right? That's what makes children so amazing. And then through unsafe environments, we lose that level of presence time after time through, through hard experiences. So I think... All children are born with beautiful presence, loving awareness, the curiosity of seeing the world just like your baby looking at the fan and becoming very curious of how that works, what that is. And if he's in a safe environment, he can explore all these aspects of life uh, with curiosity, with, with divine presence. And, and for whatever reason, I, did never, I never lost it. I never lost it when I went through these really powerful moments of abuse, when I went through these powerful moments, these, these hard experiences where, um, I, I mean, 10 out of 10 children would start taking on that and we'd pull them from the present moment. They would start living in fear. Their brain would start creating stories of, there must be something wrong with me for getting the shit kicked out of me all the time. I must be unworthy. I must not be lovable. Um, they become anxious, they become restless, all these types of things. And then they obviously with these intrusive thoughts of I'm not enough, I'm not lovable because I'm getting the shit kicked out of me all the time. We start coping with distraction, we start coping with food, we start coping with alcohol, coping with our work, coping with with people, porn, what have you. And that's, that's the normal process, I think, I think. And, and, and so, yeah, so that's when I, that's when I realized like, well, the level of presence allowed me to have the compassion and understanding that it had nothing to do with me as well, which is really, really wild, right? So I was able to understand in real time, like, even though he's kicking the shit out of me, I had, I know this has nothing to do with me, right? Which is very abnormal, but the level of presence allowed me to actually process that um, in real time. And then I actually, I felt bad for him. I had empathy for him, compassion for him. Um, I was aware that he also was abused as a kid, as a young kid. I, I became hyper aware of that. Uh, so yeah, I had a lot of love for my stepfather. And that love allowed me to not take on any of his trauma, not take on any of his energy. And so when I became aware that most people are suffering, and it was because of their poor experiences, their hard, hard, powerful experiences, and their brain created the story around those experiences and made it personal, which is why they still suffer from those experiences. What could I do to help them um, understand that it wasn't personal? And that's, a, that's an interesting space to start operating from. And it's very hard, especially for the mind and the ego to no longer have the story, no longer make it personal. But in the end, it was never personal. It was just unconscious. And so if I can teach them presence, hyper, hyper presence through things like meditation and what have you, that same window opens, that same portal opens as it was for me and it still is open for me, uh, it opens for them. And then consciousness, loving awareness comes through and they're able to see 
um, their past experiences through a different lens, through a loving lens, through a compassionate lens, and they can actually heal, forgive, and let go and make it no longer personal. And that's how you heal from traumatic experiences. Once you no longer identify with them and you don't make them personal, and you understand that it was just simply unconscious. And understanding that there are perspectives like that. And this is something I've been on a lot recently is like, you could have attached yourself to the, I am unworthy. There must be something wrong with me versus expanding out and being like, okay, what are some other perspectives on this? Like, oh, maybe Mm -hmm. this person wasn't loved. This person had a hard day. They don't know how to express that. Mm -hmm. It was so great that you turned me on to Adya Shanti. And I know that it's the book club. It's the the book right now in Nirvana community. Dude, I've run train through Adya Shanti. I've read like four four of his books. I need to get into more of his stuff. I know you're inspiring me. Dude, it's amazing. I'm now reading a book I never thought I'd read called called Resurrecting Jesus, which is a book from him. And I now want to give it to all my hardcore Christian friends. I'm just like, yo, y'all need to read this because he really breaks down like, the Jesus, the Christ Ooh. aspect of things, and then, you know, backing into greater spirituality. Anyway, he tells a story in one of his books that he can't, he had a, his dad, he got into trouble doing something. His mom was like, you're in trouble. His dad got home from work and spanked him and like corporal punishment, you know, Adyashanti's Lord know how old at this old at this point, like that used to be more of a thing. I think people are backing away yeah. and not yeah. doing that anymore, but he says, dad came in and spanked him and then left and then came back like five or 10 minutes later and was like, Hey, can I talk to you? And he said he was maybe like nine or 10. And his dad was like, Hey, I just got back from a long day at work. Like, I don't want our first interaction to be this. Like, I don't enjoy doing wow. this. Like, I would love to come home and just hug you and like, hang out with you and not punish you. And so he was kind of like, can we agree that you won't do things to get in trouble. Like you knew you were going to get in trouble by doing this thing. Can you please not do that so we can have a better relationship? Because basically I have no other tool. Like you do something that your mom tells you not to, I have to discipline you. And I got home from a day. I want to hug you. I want to love you. I don't want to do this. And Adshanti said at that moment as a kid, he, he had sort of the same realization you did of like, oh my God, my dad's a person. And like, he wants to have this relationship. And he said from then on, he was like, yeah, I got it, dude. Like I want that too. I don't want to do bad things. Like I I won't do things that I know I'm not supposed to because I want to have a good relationship with you. And he said from then on, they had an amazing relationship. He never hit him inappropriately again or whatever. Mm. But those moments are so fleeting. And I think what your story shows, Justin, is that even without a present father figure, and we can figure that out on our own by being present, practicing these things, which I love that you talked about, because it's not you meditate and you know a portal yeah, opens yeah. up once and yeah oh, i got yeah. it it's like it's no, a it's consistent, consistent practice yeah it's 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 very much integrated into an everyday practice and the times that i don't it, it is harder to stay more present it's much easier to be more distracted and possibly get pulled into mind movies um of unworthiness or, or anxious movies of the unknown so yeah i mean that's the that's the biggest thing is um is presence, 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 what gives us the ability. And it also um, allows you to remember who you really are too. You know, like I think the biggest thing as we talked about in the beginning is like people suffer because uh, the soul suffers actually because they identify with the mind. And so if the mind has these programs or conditionings from their poor experiences and you identify as the mind, you're going to get pulled into those mind movies all day, every day. But if you can be aware that you have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts, if you have a mind, but you are not your mind, and you can learn to observe the program and observe that like, oh yeah, I've had these experiences, but that doesn't, it's not who I am. It's just something I experienced, right? Then we can start on reprogramming, reconditioning the mind um, in such a powerful way. And you do this through these levels of stillness to gain perspective, to gain loving awareness on our experiences that we had and make powerful shifts and heal and forgive and let go and and understand what that process is um and that's it's it's that's the that's the that's the bee's knees right there that that allows us to kind of break free and and completely be present and let go of these things and and then the other aspect is learning how to actually release a lot of these stored emotions within the body that's a big one too and um learning how to process you know I, i was just i made a post about this just a few weeks ago how we can even get caught up in simply um, spiritual bypassing, um, hard, um, experiences. You know, we have people that like, Oh, as soon as they feel anxious, they go right into breath work. As soon as they feel anxious, they go right into some positive modality, which is great. It's much better than a a negative one. 
but you still should sit and feel the discomfort. Give it your presence, give it your attention, allow it to be, don't spiritually bypass it. Feel every part of it. It's gonna make your fucking skin crawl. It's gonna feel like you're gonna fucking explode. But you give that a good five, 10 minutes, you let it sit and you let it simmer and you, and you open your heart to it. And then after some time you ask it to kindly leave and it's pretty magical. And you expand in such ways when you do that, your heart gets even bigger. And you have the capacity to hold so much space. Um, and, and it's amazing. Um, that type of power, so to speak, you know that you are able to hold um, space for and you will be okay. So how did it take you this long to go from this kid who was alchemizing the bullshit that was happening to them to then get into the work that you and I have had conversations about, I think you were always meant to do, but you had this like fitness bodybuilding thing in between. What, what was that, I guess, transition that path? Because it sounds like you kind of had this at an earlier age. And so I'm curious that now looking back, this amazing career in fitness and bodybuilding seems like it was like a, a side quest <laughs> in life and then coming back around. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny. It's like, so um, a lot of people don't know from age 20 to 25, I actually took care of mentally handicapped people. So I was a developmental age for the mentally challenged. And, and so I was already in the, the service business. I was already like helping people, taking care of people. You know, a big part of taking care of mentally handicapped people is having them feel safe. Um, you know, like, cause they can be triggered at any moment. And obviously they don't have the awareness to manage their emotions. Um, and so like, that was something that I learned at a really young age was to, to care for people in a really powerful way and all intimate ways as well. Um, and then, so when I got into PT work, uh, I realized I was still holding space in a certain way. And that's why, I, I, and a lot of times I wasn't drawn to like working with like bodybuilders or like competitors in that sense. I was more so holding space for like the regular people, the moms and dads who wanted to get healthy for their kids. And they were intimidated to come in the gym and they felt safe with me. So I was still, without realizing, choosing another profession that I was holding space for. Um, and, and how I kind of got into this, this next space, it was, again, very, very weird and organic, uh, not planned in any way. I just was telling the story yesterday. You know, somebody asked, like, how did you transfer from, from being a PT um, into, into the coaching that you do now? And I, I remember it was right, right at the beginning of, of, um, of COVID, I would say, right at the beginning of COVID. And I got back from Tulum because I'm like, I'm not fucking locking down. I'm going to go to fucking Tulum and, and you, can't make me. you can't make me lock down. I am not doing this. I will not comply. Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, in Texas, we're still like going to the bars. Everybody's yeah. doing their own thing. Like I was in LA, man. That was like straight communist. That was like, fuck, I got to get out of here. So I went to Tulum. For quite a bit, I, I can't remember how long, but I went down there and, um, you know, explored my freedom and sovereignty. And for and, and just that's where I found also conscious music. I remember sitting on the beach and I'm just hearing this music, this beautiful, loving music. I'm like, what is this? And I remember just saving it on my Spotify. And that one song, I couldn't tell you what it is, but that one song literally is what suggested all the other songs that I've ever used now on all of my my music. Um, and I have the best fucking playlist. It's, it's, it's so great. Um, you can know, you, but can you share it? Like, could yeah. we have a link in there somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely share it. It's amazing. Um, all loving music that, and that, and it sort of resonates. So then what's funny was, is that, uh, I also, for whatever reason, when I came back from Tulum, you know, when you go on vacation or when you go anywhere, you do come back slightly shifted. If you spend some time in some stillness, you do have a powerful shift. Um, consciously, I would say, I always did some really powerful growth. Anytime I like went to Thailand or Bali, I would come back and I'd be like, yo, something shifted. This was also another noticeable shift. And within the second day I was back, I randomly woke up one morning and my normal routine would have just, you know, have my coffee, go to the gym, crush my cardio, crush my training session, whatever have you. Well, that wasn't happening anymore because we were locked down. So I wake up and I've never heard of breath work until this point because I wasn't, I didn't consume anything. I didn't read on anything. Um, I lay down on the floor and I just start randomly doing powerful deep breaths and I'm breathing and I'm breathing and I'm breathing. And then I randomly without reason, exhale and hold my breath. And then I randomly inhale and hold my breath. 
and I did a bunch of rounds. And by the end of that, I completely ascended like I smoked off DMT. Like I was gone. And, you know, I've done plant medicine before this. So I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this is absolutely wild. I was blown away. What just happened? Um, you know, again, just like, I don't know why I do things sometimes. Um, I don't know why I laid on the floor and did breath work. And then something else happened. So I did it the second day, same experience. I was like, this is unbelievable. And, you know, whenever I would do DMT, I would have these powerful downloads shifts in awareness, shifts in perspective. And it was happening with, with now what, you know, I was meditating. I didn't realize I was meditating even. Um, I got up on the second day and I went into my office, which I never would go in cause I didn't use it for anything. And Steph had all these great books. Um, and I randomly go to the bookshelf and no joke until this point, I wasn't reading anything at all because I had trouble, um, focusing and reading and comprehending because of my lack of focus. Right. And I was I, laughing because this is well known for yes, the two well of us. Known. Yes. And so I randomly grab a book and it's Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. So again, just very divine type of timing. I sit down, I'm able to read it and comprehend it and focus for the first time because the two days, the, the previous two days, I'm literally meditating and creating hyper focus within myself. So I'm, and I was blown away the fact that one, I was able to read an entire chapter and soak in all the information. And two, it directly correlated what I experienced the last two days. So it was a very wild synchronicity, um, and, and trippy and magical and insane and eerie all at the same time. And so I kept, I kept waking up every morning and doing breath work. And then I started obviously talking about it on my social media. I started talking about uh, with my clients. And then every person was like, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? And I'm like, no. They're like, you should check out Wim Hof. And then I check out Wim Hof and I realized we had some similar styles with our breath work. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. So this gave me some direction on how to structure it a little bit more. Uh, I accidentally didn't even realize I was doing seven rounds which was also kind of strange with the seven chakras. I was like, okay, this is, this is wild stuff. And, and so how I made the transition from the PT stuff is that my, I started um, doing breath work in between my, my sets at the, at my house when I was training and I had clients coming through uh, training with me all through COVID. And, um, and then I started having them do it. And then I had them lay down 10 minutes at the end of our sessions and just lay there and just breathe normally and listen to the loving music that I got from Tulum. And, <clears throat> And so before, before long though, they literally were coming in like, Hey, instead of training today, could you lead me through your, your, your extended version of the breath work that you've been doing every morning that you've been talking about? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then word got around all of Venice and my friends were coming through. I was leading like groups of friends, you know, 20 people on the rooftop in Venice, California during sunset, these breath works playing these amazing soundtracks and just kind of leading this, this, this thing. And then, um, you know, that people became more curious about it because it also shifted on how I could articulate, um, you know, presence and consciousness and what was happening in these magical spaces really well. And then I started having phone calls with that and speaking on it with people. And that kind of started getting into mentoring. And then I, you know, started helping people who were suffering with depression, uh, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts, addiction, um, I was helping people with relationships because I had a really wonderful relationship. And then when that relationship ended, I, I had then the tools to help people mourn their relationships as well. Um, so it, it was just it, the way that it really unfolded was so organically beautiful. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very strange the way that it happened, I would definitely say. But it, yeah, it, it feels uh, like divine divine intervention in almost in a, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I appreciate you expanding on that. It was really cool because I didn't know a lot of those details. I was able to just kind of see, and I think knowing you on a personal level, as I've often said to you, and I think people now are like, oh, he's totally Justin supposed to be doing this work. I could sort of see it even you know, a decade ago, longer than that, even though it was through a fitness lens. And then mm -hmm. watching you from a distance in California, basically you and Steph, for those who might not be aware, created a gym in your garage. And you lived close to the Mecca in Venice. And so it was a really easy, like, Hey, I'm building out this gym, like all the homies come through. And I think you guys were even charging like a really small amount, like, Hey, come through, pay this, you can use a gym. And then they start to just interact with you more and then take you up on these other offerings. There's something else just kind of like for our listeners, I think truly, and I'd love for you to comment on this too, Justin, 
through your breath work, through meditation, you were creating a channel because you often say like your person. And I'd love to on a future podcast, really unpack that. But how I sort of define that is you have your higher power, you have your soul, you have source, and then you have this meat body that you're walking around with. And through your stillness practices, through the pause practices, you were able to better connect with that, what I call the navigator, the soul that's like, I'd love to get you on the best quantum timeline, bro. And so you're doing a lot of that work. And then you're going about your life, going to loom, listen to this music. Oh, that's cool. Let me start a playlist. Oh, COVID, I come back. How can I maintain my fitness? Oh, I'm going to start a gym in my garage. Oh, the homies want to come through. Great. Well, I'm also starting this breathwork thing that I felt called to do. And then I'm also putting it to music and then people. And so you just like, there's thing, 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 thing. And you're sitting on the beach in Tulum and you're just like, man, this is a dope track. Not knowing that there's going to be all of these things coming later. Right. But then now, you yeah. know, and I've seen the amazing here in Austin events that you've been hosting. I have friends who have done it and looking back, seeing all of the pieces add up. And my point to this is for our listeners that life is more magical than we give it credit. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing these stillness practices, you are able to get in touch with whatever you want to call it, your higher power, God, source, the universe, mm-hmm. and then that can help guide you. And it's not going to make sense you know, when you're, when you're putting it together and you're like, fuck COVID, oh, I guess I'll get some, some weights in my gym, my garage. Like it didn't make sense. No, and then didn't. now standing here, you're like, oh my God, like all the pieces, all the breadcrumbs made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, it really, um, was just perfect. It, it all really was just perfect looking back on it. And, um, I've always been really good about taking most situations and, um, not really ever seeing them as good or bad which is also something I really try to help people understand. Again, it's not personal. And so when, when you can get in these harder situations, these more difficult, challenging ones or uncomfortable ones, you know, you get really good at seeing like what is there to learn from or what is there that, that, that is really good that you can utilize. And, you know, having the home gym was so powerful. It made the community so strong, you know, having, having that more time of stillness, which I think a lot of people um, benefited from. A lot of people suffered more from it, um, you know. But a, a lot of people, when they were forced to like kind of go home and kind of spend time with their family or like kind of just kind of be in that space, a lot of people had these powerful shifts and um, what, what some would call the awakening, so to speak, within themselves, and and started really becoming more aware of who they are on a deeper level, on a higher conscious level. So I think I was definitely one of those people during this unique space when they're like, hey, yeah, you can't go to work and socialize like a butterfly with all these people and bouncing around and working eight to 10 hour days, you know, with all these clients, you're forced to go home. And in those first few months, you're like, you know, nobody was working and, you know, you had this space and, you know, I was lucky enough where, again, because I was already myopically present, I, I really kind of intuitively go through the world. And so that's another big thing is like, as if I think if most people start becoming just simply more present in their day and less in their mind, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to like kind of trust that intuition a bit more and find themselves doing things for, for no reason, just kind of doing them. And then they align with, 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 with exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And so that's something that I have become aware of and now actually use as a, as a powerful tool each. That's why I actually practice presence now on a powerful level, because I, I want to be able to just trust that yes let's do it or no let's not and and not have any of like past experiences keeping me small or limiting me in any way um because i think that's what really stops us from these powerful growths is is the mind oh for sure yeah Mm -hmm. it was funny when you were talking about having to during covid everybody go inward and maybe deal with some uncomfortable truths and not be able to be distracted by the events or the people or the places I was listening to Russell Brand's book, Revelation, and he's, you know, amazing person. Uh, he's amazing to listen to in an audiobook because of his accent and his vocabulary. Yes. Yes. Ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah. He said that he was planning to write the book and it was like late 2019 and the book is called Revelation. So obviously there's like a spiritual religious bent to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, he was going to go everywhere. And he was like, my wife's going to stay home with the kids. And I'm going to go to like this jungle and this uh, Southeast Asian place. And he said, I was going to drink ayahuasca like it was Dr. Pepper and like get that for the book. And then he said, COVID happened and he was forced to be inside with his wife and kids and like not do any of it. And he said that that was the best thing that could have happened for him for writing the book, for finding more of himself, yep. because instead of looking at these external modalities, he was forced to look inward. And I think that's what you were getting at 
moments ago when you said people have, when we have those uncomfortable moments, which we all do, the spiritual modalities, which I agree with you, it's better than, you know, going to grab a drink or doing hard drugs or whatever. Uh, they can still be an escape and mm-hmm. trying to recognize I may get more out of this if I just sit with it and not yeah. try to escape it. That's the biggest one is sitting with it. I think um, that can be a bit more taught, especially I would say within a lot of these coaches and spiritual community, I don't think it's still talked about enough is actually sitting with the emotions at first um, with what comes up. And um, that's really powerful. You know, I work with a lot of, I work with a lot of women and I work with a lot of women who've been assaulted sexually and, and have had horrible experiences. And, and from that, um, many of them actually become addicted to um, promiscuity and become addicted to casual sex and pornographic and masturbation even. And that's like that, that's that, like their drug for them. And um, it's been, it's been really powerful to have them kind of sit in that space you know they would hit me up and be like hey I, i'm i'm feeling that urge i'm i just not, i'm not sure what to do with it and i've already done the breath work and i'm like oh, okay well have you sat with it yet and she's like no i haven't i'm like well let's take about five to ten minutes i just want you to sit in a chair and just sit with what's coming up sit with these emotions pay attention to the sensations without judgment without evaluation and kind of just sit with it and it's going to climb it's going to get really really intense but just so you know, it'll pass. And you can even say that this too shall pass and repeat that over and over, this too shall pass. And then after you let it sit for a little bit, kindly to ask it leave, give it your presence, give it your attention. And this has been a game changer for so many of my people that have come from these powerful, powerful experiences um, where this energy is like really leached onto them in such a way. And and they're and they're fully healing. They're fully letting a lot of these things go that it wasn't theirs to carry to begin with. Uh, and it's really powerful, but I think you have to feel it before um, jumping into even the positive practices. Spiritual bypassing does not remove the stuck emotions in lots of ways. That's a good term for it too, spiritual bypassing. I'm going to have to borrow that one because it is very no, man, easy. We one. have like, oh, logically, we have these amazing modalities that help me out. Like now I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. Let me just jump into one of those. Yeah. yeah. Versus well, sitting with it. Yeah, sitting with it's everything. Um, taking that time to sit with it, and it's amazing what when it really just kind of filters through. It, it, it just like flows through, and it's it's cool. And I, I think a lot of times too, uh, and this is a big understanding is that, and also in the spiritual community, like we think that that this experience is about just pure bliss and happiness, and that's not what this is about. It's about being at peace, being at peace when it's good, being at peace when it's quote unquote bad and 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 being okay with what is without resisting reality and i think that's when we find divisiveness within ourselves even um as spiritual people like if if you feel like oh i'm doing all this work i'm not supposed to have any of these hard times that's when you're going to really feel divisiveness within yourself um it's about being at peace with things and accepting things as they are and loving those things and opening your heart towards those things and that's been some of the biggest challenges for myself whether it's you know end of a marriage end of a relationship um, I just talked about, um, how I was, you know, manipulated by a con artist just in this last podcast with somebody else and, and opening my heart towards that, you know, business stuff, keeping my heart open towards that. And, you know, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. Even if you are a good person doing great work and you're, you know, you're, you're doing all the things you're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's life is always gonna go through these ebbs and flows. That pendulum is always swinging and are you able to be at peace and are you able to keep your heart open during those moments? And that's, that's how I really have simplified it. Like whenever I become triggered or whenever something comes at me, that's hard or difficult, or just, I don't want to do it. Or somebody does something to me. Can I keep my heart open? That's it. Yeah. That was something that was in the resurrecting Jesus book where Mm -hmm. he was talking about, um, basically like, we all understand, especially in the spiritual community or try to like be having an open heart and having an open mind and being open. And it's like, okay, what happens when something tweaks you? Are you mm-hmm. still able to commit to this ideology that you have even when it gets hard? And I think fitness is such a good analogy for life. Like, you know, speaking of the quad God, like I'm sure you've done <laughs> uh, leg extensions where your quads are burning like crazy, you know, and you have to, you're forced to sit with it. People who get into their, mm-hmm. that mode right? And you know, like, wow, this hurts like crazy. I'm like wincing, whatever, maybe screaming, grunting, but it will eventually go away. And that 
challenging situation that I'm willingly putting myself in will grow my muscles. It will make me stronger. And mm -hmm. that taking Mentally that analogy too. to life, we can put ourselves or even just find ourselves in those challenging moments. But then if we look back, you know, once sit through it, get through it, it'll pass, no, it'll pass. And then looking back on it, that this is what actually made me stronger. There's mm -hmm. another analogy for what you're talking about, Justin, as far as being at peace that really resonates with me. And I get this from Bashar, who Daryl Anka channels for anybody who's into that very woo-woo stuff of channeling. Bashar talks about being the eye of the storm. And he said, we are all the eye of the storm. And you have the storm raging around you, whatever that is, life, anxiety, fear, whatever. And you can be that center of the storm. And I think we all know, at least from like growing up in American school systems, that visual of you're like, oh shit, like I'm in the eye of the storm. It's really calm. And I can see this thing swirling around me. And he's like, mm -hmm. don't get caught in the storm. Realize you are always the eye of the storm. You can always be powerful at the, the storm. That's powerful. I love that. You know, I just put out a post today too about doing hard things because it allows us to kind of um, manage these harder situations. It's why I do the cold plunge every day. It's the main reason why I do the cold plunge personally is because it sucks. Um, and the same thing with training, you know, and I grew, I think that's what really allowed me to kind of handle a lot of life's challenges is um, I was always training like this at a very young age and I was in like high level sports and I was always put in uncomfortable situations. Uh, which allowed me to kind of deal with a lot of uncomfortable, uncomfortable situations even now. And it's something that I, I take very seriously is making myself uncomfortable or stress my body in certain ways, whether it's through the cold, through training, through sauna work. Like when I go in a sauna, like I, I set that timer and there's a part where I want to get the fuck out and my body starts moving around. It's like, I can't sit still. And then, then I try to make it sit still and I try to like not let it even move around. So I, I put it in these spaces to suffer so to speak or be really uncomfortable right now it's um so i, I got to the point where the cold plunge was relatively easy because i have one and um you know i do it daily so you do acclimate you do you know things that are hard once they become a little bit easier so i had to like figure out like how can i make this hard again and so now i'm doing it right when i wake up out of bed so i get out of a beautiful warm bed um, early in the morning and I, there's no debating. There's no debating with my mind. It's like, I go right downstairs and not like, Oh, let me uh, check on the dog real quick. Or, Oh, let me go do this real quick. It's, I go right down there, pop the top and I get right the fuck in. And it's so much colder. It's so much harder. I set the timer for even longer. I do five minute ones now. And the whole time I'm just like, fuck, this sucks. This sucks. And I get out and I'm fucking freezing. So like, I've been trying to step it up even more to put myself through challenging situations and the same thing with training, like just going really hard on things I don't want to do for this specific reason to be able to handle life um, when it does throw you curveballs. And man, that's, that's, that's everything. So like do hard things, doing hard things is really important. That's a key for life. Y'all that do mm -hmm. hard things. Um, mm -hmm. So I unfortunately have to run here in mm -hmm. a little bit, um, but did want to mention that Justin and I will be at ACL. And oh, yeah. for anyone who's hung out for the length of this podcast, we would love to see you. Um, I will be there on Friday, weekend one. I know you'll be there. And then are you going to go through that whole weekend? No, I think I'm just going to go there and spend a, a crazy day with you. I love it. Um, yeah. Justin whole... and I have, were talking the other day. We have not hung out like just in a non-professional, yeah. non-work, like personal context in years. So this was going to be a fun one. But I, especially as a new dad who barely gets out of the house, I would love to see people at ACL. And I know Justin would be down. If you come up, say what's up, we can get photos with y'all. Yeah. Come say hello. We'd love to see everybody out there. I'm excited. I love, I love ACL, man. I went for the first time last year. It felt like I was, I mean, I never went to Woodstock, but it felt like a Woodstock with the grass was really long. I was like the, I was like that dude though. I like hid my shoes somewhere and I was barefoot in the grass the entire time. And the grass was actually really nice. It was like long and shaggy. They like let it grow out. It was, uh, it felt like, yeah, I was back in time almost. And you really can't tell what zilker looks like like everything was like thrown off you have no idea which way is you have to look at i guess at the city to know where you're at um but man yeah i'm excited for that i'm excited to send the whole day with you that's going to be dope and uh yeah very dude, excited I'm, yeah I'm, I'm pumped so so that the grass it changes for weekend two because weekend two it gets so trampled weekend one weekend two is just like a dust bowl it dude Weekend one to weekend two, like highly recommend whenever you have the ability to do so, try to go to both weekends, even if it's just for a day, because typically weekend two is colder. So there's been uh, mm -hmm. one year, Dale and I went to both weekends and the first weekend we're like shirts off, hanging out. And then the second weekend I was literally in a hoodie and sweats. Mm -hmm. 
Like it changes, it can change that dramatically. It's a little bit more of a dust bowl, like burning man type feel. But that first weekend you have the grass really still nice and long. And I've been on a nice streak of going at least one day since 2015. And mm. I, I like you've experienced it. You get to experience the city in a different way. You get to experience Zilker in a different way. I always like, I, I don't know if you knew that I was going last year. And so no, I didn't you running into me being like, Oh my God, bro. Like this is amazing. Bro, and I, like, was, I was like peeking. So I was like, <laughs> I, I always, I always have those moments at ACL where I run into somebody from my life who like, um, yeah, who's just like, Oh my God, this person's so special. And I haven't seen them in years. And I'm excited to do that with whoever's listening wants to come through. Yeah. Come say hello. Love to see everybody, uh, down to celebrate. So, well, I appreciate you, Justin. Thanks for, again for having me back. We're going to do these more frequently, so please keep yeah. listening. And if you'd like to have more of these conversations, definitely, definitely, definitely get into the Nirvana group with us. Yeah, they're lots of fun. Uh, looking forward to pumping these out yet again and just have some really cool guests on. Um, I'm really loving what we're doing here. I love these conversations. I think a lot of people benefit from them. So thank you to everybody that is listening. And I know, like, Sean, everybody, like, when we took the hiatus, everybody's like, when's the next one? I was getting hit up by a lot of people. When's the next one? Is there another one coming out? Is there another one coming out? And I was like, I don't want to do one without Sean. I'm just, <laughs> just going to wait because you really do make it magical. So I was like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. So I have some really cool people um, that I have some ideas for guests. I'll send you those links over and you can check awesome. them out. Yeah. And then we can uh, have some fun guests on. I'm excited. Cool. So everybody listening, stay tuned. It's going to get even better. All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend. Drop the podcast a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.